Praise God. I want to welcome everyone this morning. If you're a guest today, we are glad to have you in service with us. We thank you for being here. If you're joining us online this morning, we welcome you wherever you may be watching this service from. Pray that you are blessed by it today. Good to have Brother Dylan Morgan in service with us today. Brother Morgan's third son. He was here with us June, July, somewhere in there. He's with us this weekend. It's good to have him. Praise God. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We'll read a couple of verses in chapter 2 and then a couple of verses in chapter 3. Verse number 16 in chapter 2. Scripture says, actually verse 16, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Skipping down to chapter 3 and verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Going back to chapter 2, verse 17, he says, The day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. I want to preach to you this morning for a little while on this subject, hazardous to your health. Hazardous to your health. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being in your presence today. I thank you for what you've already done. I thank you for what you've already said. I thank you for once again challenging us to realize that we've been called by you. Every one of us called to be involved in your kingdom, the mission of your kingdom. I thank you for the word that we've already heard. I thank you for your spirit, God, that has already ministered in this place touched hearts and lives that were in need today. And so now, God, I pray that once again through your word you would speak and minister. God, I pray that this would be a message from you this morning, not simply a sermon that would we, we would hear as a part of a service, but a message that would come from you, God. I trust you this morning for your anointing. I depend upon you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is a word that you will hear much throughout the remainder of my message. It's a word that more than any other day, I think today it's a word we don't like to hear. It's in fact a word that I think has tried to be ruled out of society tried to be eliminated from our vocabulary, and that is the word sin. I heard, I actually saw someone posted the video of it, and then I went and found the article that was a transcript of the video, and I am reading our presidential, our Democratic presidential candidate has said This is not interpretation. This is not a journalist twist. You can sit and watch. Either somebody's done an extremely good uh, dubbing, which I don't think is the case. She says that deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases have to be changed. Cultural codes, okay. Structural biases, definitely agree. But you can't change 
religious beliefs. If you are an organization, if you are a business, you can pass amendments to your bylaws. You can make changes to your constitution if you are an organization. Mrs. Clinton, I have to tell you today, if beliefs come from where they're supposed to come from, it is not our right to change religious beliefs. Because if beliefs come from where they're supposed to come from, they come from the forever settled eternal word of God. And it's not your right as a presidential candidate. And it's not our right as citizens of a country to decide that we are going to change our beliefs to make it more convenient for our culture and society. Because when God establishes sin, there is no president, there is no Congress, there is no government, there is no group of people that can override God's laws. That's why government can change laws and make things that God's moral law says is wrong and government can say is now okay, but talk to those who have decided to believe man's laws over God's laws. And even though man's law says it's okay because God's law supersedes man's law, there is guilt and condemnation and there is shame that even though you're doing what man says is okay there's something down deep inside of you Paul said it's some similar to this if the if the Gentiles and in that context he was talking about unbelievers if they do things that are in the law without knowing the law what he's saying is there's something there is a conscience that God has given every human being And that is superior to any law that can be passed by any government. Not here today to make a political statement. I'm not, this is not putting one candidate down and lifting the other one up. I am in the same boat as many I've heard in the last several months, and that is, I'm scared to death for both of them. Let's just make it clear this morning in case you're a supporter of her. I'm not here making a political statement this morning. I'm just simply telling you, you can't change religious beliefs again if they come from the Word of God. The Lord instructed Adam. It's about to say Adam and Eve, but actually we don't see anything in Scripture that says God instructed Eve. God told Adam, and because Adam was responsible to be the head of his house, God expected Adam to protect and take care of his wife and his family. And God said, oh, isn't it amazing? It hasn't changed. How many of you parents that had toddlers, some of you still have toddlers, but isn't it amazing? You can lay out all kinds of toys in front of a toddler, and then you tell them, don't touch that. And out of everything they can have, they are drawn to the one thing they can't have. It's in our nature. Of every tree in the garden, you can freely eat, have as much of it as you want, get all of it that you would like. But this one, this one tree, I mean, I could sort of understand if he said, out of every tree in the garden, don't eat except this one. You can eat, I mean... Looking at everything you can't have, but he said, you can have all of this. I'm just going to tell you one thing you can't have. Permit me this morning, I don't think, I know it's not clearly in Scripture, but based on what seems to be human nature, I think it would be pretty safe to say, I don't think Eve, I, I got a feeling that Adam and Eve lived a little while without giving much attention to that tree. As they were sampling and tasting everything else that was available. But, but I, I just kind of picture it this way. I, I, I know it's not in there and this may be wrong, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say. I just kind of picture it this way. Just, you know, Eve many times walked right by that tree. Never even thought twice about it. That's a tree. 
just never even, never even thought. And, and I just kind of picture it going like this. Then, then she, maybe she kept going. Till finally, finally, because it looked so good, she finally takes of it and eats of it. And the problem for Adam and Eve is the same problem we face in 2016. And that is... You sin, and when you sin, most of the time, most of the time, there are no immediate consequences. No lightning bolts. The ground does not open up and swallow you. And the mind starts to go, you know what? Again, not in Scripture, just kind of the way I picture it. I I just kind of imagine Eve's heart rate going absolutely crazy as she pulled that fruit off the tree and gets ready to take the bite, deciding, you know what, I'm going to risk it, but what if? It probably didn't happen like this, but this is just my imagination. You imagine it your way, I'll imagine it my way. I just almost imagine her with her eyes closed, taking that bite and starting to chew, waiting. The pulse starts to settle back down to norm. I'm still breathing. Everything seems okay. Everything feels okay. The problem was... Eve and Adam had a perception of what God meant when he said, the day you'll eat of it, you'll die. And the serpent knew how to twist it as well. Because the serpent says, God knows that the day you eat of this tree, you're not going to actually die. Think about this for a minute. God said, eat the tree and you die. The serpent comes along and says, eat the fruit, you won't die. She eats the fruit, doesn't die. I wonder who she's now leaning towards believing. He says, I'll die. He says, I won't. I ate the fruit. I'm still here. Problem was, what he meant when he said die wasn't exactly what you were thinking when he said die. And I've come to tell somebody today while you're sitting here and you're still breathing and you are still alive, if you are a sinner, you are destined for one outcome. Stay with me for a little while because I'm not, it's not going to be very fun for a few minutes, but by the time we get done, I got some good news for you. But I got to wake a few folks up in the condition you're in before we get you the good news. Romans 5 and 12, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. The Amplified says it this way, therefore as sin came into the world through one man and death as the result of sin, so death spread to all men. No one being able to stop it or to escape its power because all men sin. That's the power of sin, my friend. It was able to come through one and get to all. While there has been great plagues throughout all of history in different places and thousands have lost lives from plagues, there has never been a plague to destroy all of man. And yet the power of sin was it only needed one place to come through to now get to all. Romans 3.23, here you go, for all 
have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, who does all leave out? Nobody. John, 1 John 1 and 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Even all the way back in the Old Testament, the wise man Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7 and 20, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. I think we have a subconscious scale of sin in our world. One is minor infractions, ten are the worst. One is the cashier gave you a couple of extra dollars and you're not honest and walk away and consider it a blessing. God doesn't bless you at somebody else's expense like that. Just it, it, It's little white lies. It's really minor things. And, you know, then we get all the way up to the tens. That's the, that's the serial killers. That's the, you know, that's all. That's the bad people. And, and, and so it's kind of as though, to me, most of us live with an acceptance of the one to threes. One to threes, man, we don't even need to, th- I mean, come on, really? Everybody bends the truth every now and then, everybody. And then every now and then in a moment of weakness, we get up into the fours to the sevens. We feel really bad about those and repent, but you know. But we definitely are not going any higher. I would never, never. The problem is in this book, you find no scales for sin. I I said it. A week or two ago, I think I'll say it again this morning. If you're a guest today, my name's David Wright. I am the pastor here, and, and, and my parents started this church back in 1970. I was born and raised as an apostolic. I've got a grandmother here today who was an ap- who is an apostolic. I've got three other grandparents that passed that were apostolic. I've got great grandparents that were apostolics, and so I'm born and raised in this. I've never tasted alcohol. I've never smoked cigarettes. I've never done drugs. I was a virgin when I got married. I've been a pretty good guy from a natural standard but it's not the natural standard that matters it's this that matters and I have sinned just as much as any of you have in fact the scripture says it like this if you know to do good and you don't do it you've You want to know what our problem in the world today is? We have one, we got really one issue in the world today. Boil it all down. We have one issue in our world. It's a sin issue. Oh, hallelujah. We have a sin issue. That's why there is no president that has the power to turn our nation around. There is no politician that has the power to turn our world around. Because the only way to ultimately fix what we are facing as a nation and facing as a world is we need a Savior. We don't need a new president. We don't need a new Congress. We don't need a new Senate. We don't need a new government. We we, we need a Savior. What we need, because the only thing that can fix sin is a Savior. We are familiar, you're familiar with things that are hazardous to your health, health. Hazardous substances are used in many workplaces and take many different forms. Solids, liquids, gases, mists, fumes can be present in the workplace. Exposure to hazardous substance can affect the body in many different ways. Skin contact, inhalation, and ingestion can cause damage. Hazardous substances can cause short and long-term problems. They can cause serious ill health, including cancers, 
dermatitis and asthma. A cleaner splashing bleach on their skin could cause a burn or inflammation, which will, ha- which will have little long-term effect in most cases. However, a splash in the eye could cause permanent damage to their sight. A joint, a joiner suffering years of exposure to wood dust could have long-term health problems. The dust could affect his lungs and cause health problems for the rest of his life. There are substances that when they get inside of me, have the ability to cause great damage. Therefore, we have warning labels on all kinds of stuff. I've seen some warning labels. The one I really love is the one that says, do not eat on certain products. The thought never crossed my mind. In fact, in preparation for today, I I found a warning on an iPod shuffle. On an iPod shuffle that literally says, do not eat. Eat. I, I realize the back of my phone has an apple on it. I've never one time been tempted to bite it. Is there, re- is there really somebody? Is there really somebody that needs a warning that says, do not eat apparently there is there's some medicines that they tell you you, you, you don't take it orally I've, I've never thought about trying to see if mineral ice would work by swallowing it I really don't need I understand there are some substances there are some things that when they get in they are hazardous Saw it also. You know those little packets that come in boxes and stuff? I think they're for moisture. On the, do not eat. Oh man, I was really about to. Unfortunately, when it comes to sin, there's some really obvious things that apparently somebody needs a label. Do not eat. Do not ingest. Do not touch. Because it is hazardous to your health. And my plea today with you is it's bad enough when something is hazardous to your natural health. The consequences of that may be hard to deal with. Some as... I have read more severe than others. But the problem is when we're talking about hazardous to your spiritual health. The danger of that and the consequences of that are unlike any other thing. I could learn if unfortunately it happened that I got bleach in my eye and I lost my sight. I could learn to live like that. I could learn to function like that. May not want to, but I could learn to do it. But when it comes to my soul and those substances of sin that get into my spirit and the ultimate consequence of that, that's not something I just learned to live with and deal with and put up with but I've got to acknowledge this is something I cannot allow to abide in my life no it's not popular I know it won't make me popular but what was sin 20 years ago is still sin today what was sin a hundred years ago is still sin today what was sin a thousand years ago is still sin what was sin from the beginning of time is still sin and it will always be sin I, I, I earlier in the year I was dealing with some health issues and I went to the I went to a patient First or night, right time, pediatrics on a Saturday. They didn't give me any answers. Monday, I went to my my physician, our family physician, sat down there and explained to him everything was going on. And the educated professional professional sitting there looked at me and said, "That's weird." Thank you very much. I feel so relieved and comforted by your diagnosis. 
Literally, those were his words. That's weird. And I walked out of the office that day with no answers. Ended up the next day in the ER. Spent two days in the hospital. Because the doctor said it's weird. They heard I was overseas a couple of months before that and determined I must have picked up some kind of an infection. So for two days in the hospital, I dealt with an infectious disease doctor. I didn't know I had that much blood to take and still be able to live. Y'all leave anything for me. I know I need some of that. (laughs) No answers. Not sure what your issue is. The problem is when you don't know what the problem is, you can't deal with the problem. How many of you today have experienced, I'm, I'm not bashing health care here today. I appreciate them very much. That's not my point this morning. I'm just talking about the limitations of humanity. How many of you have had to deal with a misdiagnosis? How many of you got, got some medicine diagnosed for one issue and only to find out that wasn't the issue, there was another issue? You see, man is limited in how man can handle problems. Man's got to figure out what the problem is to be able to fix the problem. And how sad it is in 2016 that we are ruling out the problem and trying to deal with it all kinds of other ways unless you accept what the problem is and deal with the problem. The only way the problem can be dealt with, you're not doing any good. It's only an Advil to relieve you of the pain for a few minutes. It's only a muscle relaxer to get you through a day and Survive the pain, but you haven't dealt with the issue. I know I've said it already, but I'll say it again. It's one thing. It's a sin problem. I preach to some people today. I got a feeling you're sitting there this morning. Preacher, you understand I'm sitting in church. And I'm a pretty good person. Said it recently, I'll say it again. Eh, wrong answer. Jesus says, there is none good. I know I don't mean this to sound callous. We all, why do bad things happen to good people? You read books, there's messages, there's all, there's one answer, really there's one answer for that question. Why do bad things happen to good people? They don't. Bad things don't happen to good people because there are no good people. Isn't it amazing when something great happens in your life, you never ask why? Your boss calls you in and you suddenly get an unexpected raise and you walk out of his office going, why me, God? Why me? No, you walk out of there, "Ah, this is my day. But you let the boss call you in and give you a pink slip, tell you you got two weeks, and what do you do? Walk out of, why me, God? Why me? I don't know, maybe because you were coming in late all the time. Maybe because you weren't doing, I don't know. I told you, we're getting the good stuff in a minute. Even if I have to get you mad to think, I'll get you mad to think. None good, all of sin. The problem is this for you and I, there is a punishment for sin. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages, the payment of sin is, is, not might be, not possibly, it is death. Ezekiel 18 and 20 says, the soul that sinneth, and we've already heard we've all sinned, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And the reason that's the case is it's not just an alternative lifestyle that I have a right to choose how I'm going to live. The Bible says it's sin. Oh, hallelujah. I'm at the wrong church this morning. I don't mind the guests being a little bit annoyed by me, but 
These will not enter the kingdom. There's a bunch of things in there that are acceptable lifestyles today. Open marriages, homosexuality, etc. Just to, just to, or, or our society calls it a disease. It's a disease. No, it's sin. That's harsh, preacher. That's unkind. No, not when I get to the end of the message, it's not. If you stop right here and leave and go home, it's harsh. But we haven't finished yet. They will not inherit the kingdom of God, James 1.13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither temptation, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Hmm, that fruit on that tree looks good. It wasn't God's fault. It was her own lust that got her drawn away from what God has said. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Write it down, mark it down, underline it, highlight it. When sin gets done, it always has the same exact Outcome. It doesn't matter how enticing or appealing or innocent it may seem to start. The ultimate outcome is sin when it is finished brings forth death. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. But he said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil is the originator of great advertising. I remember one thing always comes to mind. I've been to a couple of car shows throughout my lifetime with my dad. Some as a teenager, some as a, an adult. Anybody ever, anybody ever see those? I think they're called chamois. Walk around, this guy's got this little table set up. And he's got this yellow cloth. And I mean, he pours like a whole two liter bottle of soda in a bowl. And he sticks that chamois in there. And I mean, that thing, that thing just sucks it all up. And he picks that up and the bowl is dry. I'm like, how much? I'm telling you right now, I don't know what that guy had. I think maybe he was an illusionist. I used to, I used to, uh-oh, she just came in. I'm going to get in trouble. I used to be really enamored with those as seen on TV. There was a space of time. I, I, I had some awesome Christmas presents. There was a little thing, I think it was called Chop Chop. Remember what it was called? Chop Chop. I was walking through the mall one day, man, this guy's got this little, he's got a little Chop Chop thing, man. He gets out all kinds of different vegetables and stuff and Pop Pop chops that thing, man. It's, I'm like, my wife needs one. I mean, if my wife needs one, my mother needs one, man. I just... I finally got the message after a little bit of wasted money. Stop buying those trinkets. They never work. How about those, 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 every single one of those advertisements on TV? I'm telling you what, the nastiest, grimiest, grungiest bathroom you've ever seen in your life. I mean, you're like, only way I'm going in there was like, was a hazmat suit on. And they get this cleaner out. I mean, that's like all it takes. I've been in my bathroom, scrubbing, white, sparkling. See your reflection in the faucet. Where do I pay? You get that stuff, I'm like, Forget this. Take the top off. Dump it. <laughs> we call it false advertising. Where do you think false advertising came from? 
came from the deceiver of all deceivers that knows how to give you a great sales pitch and promise you some great things. The only problem is there always is the same outcome. The wages of sin is... Not might be, not maybe, not a possibility. The wages of sin is death. Here we go. Here's the rest of the story. Romans 5. Bear with me as I read several verses here, but I'm closing. If you're a guest, that doesn't mean a whole lot, but I'm closing. Here's the answer. Here's the answer to the gloom and doom of sin. Here's the answer to the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory. Here's the answer that the wages of sin is death. Romans 5.14 Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Hmm. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. It only took one man sinning to expose all men to sin and death. But it only took one man's life one man's death to now expose all to life. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous I was born into sin the psalmist said in sin my mother conceived me but the good news is today there was one who lived who was sinless there was one who lived that was spotless and because of his life all all now have access to life. I just read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 where it gives us a list of those who are not able to enter the kingdom because of what they were. But listen to what the next verse says, verse 11. And such were some of you. If you are... A fornicator, an idolater, an adulterer, an effeminate abuser of yourself with mankind. If you're a thief, if you're covetous, if you're a drunkard, if you're a reviler, if you're an extortioner, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Our world tells us today, whatever you were, that's what you always will be. Thank God for a lot of programs that have helped a lot of people. But at the end of those programs, they say what you were, that's what you always will be. You're just recovering from what you were. But according to what Paul says, this is not what you are just recovering, but this is what you were because you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Since she posted it on social media, I think it's okay if I use it. Esther showed the other day on Instagram and Facebook the bargain that she got at Goodwill. She posted the picture of what was new. There's a slight distinction that needs to be made. It was new to her because somebody else had it before. You can go down to the used car lot and buy yourself a car. And you're going to call your friends and you're going to tell them, guess what? I just got a new car. What'd you get? I got a Pinto. 
There's a bunch of kids going. Huh? I got a Chevette. My first car was a Ford EXP. My son asked me, Dad, what was your first car? I said, EXP, what's that? Don't worry about it. It was a souped-up Escort that looked sort of like a Mustang. Sort of. Sort of. There actually was a model of Mustang that it was very similar to. And then when I put my black louvers on the back window, it really souped up. (laughs) You'll tell people it's new, but it's not new. It's just new to you. Can I tell somebody today? When Paul said, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's not talking about new to you. Consignment shop, used car dealership new. No, he's talking about not even showroom. He's talking about you're sitting at the end of the assembly line. Nobody's touched it yet. Nobody's sat in it yet. It doesn't even have, the, the odometer hasn't even moved yet. That's the kind of new Paul is talking about when he says, if you and I are in Christ, we are a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. I said it recently in the service, talking to somebody a couple of months ago, and they were saying, and you know, all roads, doesn't matter what religion it is, all roads lead to the same place. And first of all, I don't agree with that. But in addition to that, the thing I realized is there is no other religion outside of Christianity that can deal with your past. We may all be talking about going to the same place from different roads, but no other, no other religion offers a way to deal with my past. You see, Christianity doesn't just offer hope for an eternal life, but it also offers a way to deal with yesterday. Because when the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to your life, old things are passed away and all things have become new. I got to hurry. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Brother Whaley talked about it this morning. We are ambassadors, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He trades my guilt for his innocence. The analogy that has been used so many times is that of a judge may sit there and say to an offender, This is what you've done. This is the crime you've committed. But I will allow you to go without paying the penalty for your sin. You've still done the crime. You're still guilty. You may not be paying the price of it, but you're still guilty. What God offers us is not just to say, this is what you deserve, I'm not going to do it. But I'm actually going to clean the books. And when your name pops up in the online search for offenders, you won't be found. Because you have been made righteous of God. You've been made the righteousness of God in Him. Last passage, Romans 6, 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey? That's another one of the great deceptions of the devil. Christianity? Why would I become a Christian and submit myself to all of those rules and regulations and guidelines? I'm free. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Paul said it, and it's true. Everyone is a servant. I don't have a right to choose whether or not I'm going to be a servant. That is destined. The right I have is to choose who I will serve. 
And there's only two choices. You see, I think this is how many of us live when it comes to deciding who we're going to serve. God, the devil, or myself. And many of us choose number three. The only problem is that's not an option. There's only two options. And I hate to tell you today, if you've picked option three, you're actually living number two. You are the servants of sin, whom you yield yourselves to obey. His servants you are, whom you obey, whether sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the, you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Free from righteousness. I don't want to be free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. How many of you today can save, can say, I can't believe some of the stuff I used to do. Come on, B, let's be honest. Come on, a couple of you, be honest. Help me out. The way you used to live and it never bothered you, now you look at that and go, oh my God, how did I ever do that? What fruit had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, but now, but now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have no, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. I already quoted that, except the first time I only quoted the first part of the verse. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am not here to preach to guests today trying to sell you on joining a church. I am here today trying to preach to some sinners that you need salvation. And I don't mean to be critical, judgmental. I don't mean this to come across in a wrong way. I got plenty of Bible to back it up. The way you get your sins taken care of is not simply by saying, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and that just takes care of it all. There's nowhere in the Scripture that gives that as the plan, as the formula. What I can tell you is Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, that the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter said in Acts 2.38, he kind of applied it this way. You are to repent, that is death. You are to be baptized, that is burial. You are to be filled with the Holy Ghost, that is resurrection. Baptism, according to scriptures, by immersion. You must be baptized to be saved. It's not by a sprinkling. I've been to a lot of funerals, a lot of gravesides in my lifetime. I've never seen one cemetery where the way people would buried was by simply sprinkling a little bit of dirt and going on about your business. To bury someone, you put them completely under. That's why it matters how I'm baptized because of what I'm identifying with. I'm identifying with his burial. I am putting away my old man... I am burying my past. And I am being resurrected into new life. I got a feeling somebody here today needs that experience. I'll say it again. I'm not inviting anybody here to join a church today. We would love for this to be your church. Most of us are here at some point, it wasn't our church. A couple of us from basically the day we were literally born 
it was our church, but there's a bunch of folks here. It wasn't, but at some point in time, they had that experience, and that's what brought them here. But I'm, I'm not here today. It's not about a church because I want people to go to heaven and experience eternal life. And if you do that from here, great. If you do that from someplace else, that's great too. If you've come into this place today and you're dealing with addiction, you've got some kind of addiction in your life, a few of you folks be humble enough to help me out. How many of you would acknowledge this morning you are a former drug addict? How many, how many folks that were ap- alcoholics? You're not recovering now. That's what you were. I'll stop there before we get too personal. I, I just, I feel that right now. There's somebody, I don't know who you are, but you're battling addiction. Maybe drug, maybe cigarettes, maybe alcohol, maybe pornography. I'm telling you today, the blood of Jesus Christ has the power to set you free. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. To the point... That you don't have to live like this the rest of your life. Worrying that it's going to catch up with you. But knowing I have been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Stand please. Jesus name. Jesus Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I realize it's after 12 and... We've gone a little bit longer than normal today. I don't apologize for that from the context of I believe the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord is talking to somebody today. The bad news that I preached this morning is we're all sinners. But the good news that I've also preached today is there is a solution for our sin. There is an answer for my sin if you're here this morning and you acknowledge preacher I'm a sinner and I've yet to deal with my sin the way you've talked about the scripture says the first step I've got to deal with with my sin is I've got to repent repentance is not simply an expression of regret or sorrow for what I've done but repentance is a turning away from what I've done things that I shouldn't do and now embracing things that I should do and things that the Word of God encourages and invites me to do. I wonder right now, I wonder if everybody, whether you come here all the time or you're a guest, I wonder how many, if I could get everyone that would right now. There never comes a point where we outgrow repentance or a need for repentance. I wonder if everybody that would, if you're a guest today, I invite you to join with me. You see, I I don't mean this to be offensive to anybody else or any other religion, but you don't need to come tell me today what you've done wrong. You don't need to come confess your sin to me. You can go straight to the one that has the ability to deal with your sin. Join me. I don't want you to repeat after me. I'm, I'm going to do it myself, but just to help you. Maybe you don't know how to really repent. I'm not, I don't want you to repeat after me, but maybe something similar. God, forgive me today. I know there's things in my life, God, that I should not have done. I know there's ways in which I violated your word. I know there's things in my life that I should have done and I failed to do. I ask you to forgive me today. I want to be surrendered and submitted to your word not living my way God not living according to my desires and my wishes but living according to your word forgive me today God forgive me today forgive me forgive me if you've done that you've sincerely done that And now you want the solution because that's only a part. Maybe you're not comfortable with it. Whether you're a guest or you're a member. 
I wonder those that acknowledge I need that blood today to wash me. Would you just lift your hands right now? As you're lifting your hands. If you're a guest, we do that partly as it's a sign. It's a sign that, God, I'm opening my heart. I'm opening my spirit to you today. Not only do I want you to wash me, but I want you to fill me. I want you to fill me with you because that's my only hope. That's my only answer. When we begin to do that, if you've never experienced it, what can happen for you today is you can experience the infilling of the Spirit of God. experience exactly what they experienced on the day of Pentecost when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, God's Spirit. Church, I need you to be sensitive right now. Come on, church, I need you to be sensitive. The Holy Ghost is touching some hearts and lives in this place. There's somebody today that God wants you to leave this place as a new creature. Come in under a load of guilt and sin and shame. But God wants you to go out today washed and clean and free. Some has already done it if you feel a need this morning. If you'd like to, I invite you. If you want to step out of your seat and come down to this altar, maybe somebody feels a need to do that. You don't have to do that, but if someone else feels that need, God, thank you that there's a solution for my sin. Thank you that there's an answer for my sin. Thank you that there is hope. You haven't just condemned me without hope. You haven't just judged me and given me no hope. You've told me what I am, but you've told me what I could do told me the solution and the answer and I, I thank you I thank you that I'm not hopeless today I thank you that I'm not condemned without any solution today I thank you for your blood today your blood is greater than my sin your blood is greater than my sin There is no stain of sin in my life that your blood is unable to wash and make clean. There's nothing I've done that is so terrible that your blood is not able to make me a new creature. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, let somebody experience the hope of salvation today. That while we may have come in under the burden of our sin, we can leave under the freedom of salvation. Set free from our past. Set free from the guilt and the shame of yesterday. Washed and made completely clean by your blood. Name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Thank you for your blood that makes me clean. Thank you for your blood that makes me clean. Washes away every sin. Makes me a brand new creature in you. Thank you for there being an antidote to my sin. Thank you that there's a solution to my sin. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, yes, nothing. Nothing so unclean that you can't wash and make clean. There's no life that is so broken that you can't mend and make whole. There's no life so dirty that you can't make clean. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, there are 
several that are still praying, so I ask you to please be mindful and respectful of them. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. Thank you for being here. Please, please be mindful. There's a few that are still being washed. There's some that are receiving that cleansing today. Oh, thank you for mercy today. Thank you for mercy that intervenes and spares me of what I deserve. I know what I deserve, God. I know what I've done and I know what I deserve. But I thank you for your grace and your mercy today. Washes me and cleanses me. Thank you for your blood today that makes me new. I thank you for your blood today that has the power to cleanse every stain of sin. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it today. Thank you for your spirit that fills us, that gives us new life, that makes us a new creature in you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for grace and mercy today. Thank you for an answer for my sin. Thank you for a solution for my sin. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for it, Jesus. I thank you for it, Jesus. I thank you for grace and mercy today. I thank you for your blood today.